Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and thank you for checking out the podcast. Coming up, Manitoba Moose, Peter Stoikowicz, Umar Hyatt running for mayor in the city of Winnipeg. Caroline Klassen from Conexus Counseling and Richard Cloutier breaks down the main candidates and their tax plans. All coming up here on the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now the podcast. We got to talk to a Manitoba moose. Peter Stoikowicz joins us now. Uh, hello, Peter. Peter. Hello. Ah, there you are. Hi, Peter. Good to talk to you. How are you, man? I'm excellent. Excellent. So uh, the Moose home opener goes tomorrow night against the Belleville Senators. What do you know about the Belleville Senators? What can you tell us about them? Uh, you know what? There's there's a lot of turnover in the American League every year. So yep. uh, we'll have our uh, pregame scouting reports tomorrow, and uh, we'll be ready to go come puck drop at 7 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, it, it must be exciting uh, playing in Winnipeg and knowing there's always a chance you might move up to the Jets, eh? Yeah, it's it's really nice to, to have that affiliation, and especially here in Manitoba where you can play in the same building. Uh, as uh, as our parent affiliate there, uh, a lot of teams around the league are, are hundreds of miles away from their team. And uh, you kind of don't get that same feeling that, that you're the little brother there. But uh, we do here in Winnipeg. And like you said, it's always exciting knowing that you could get the call at any second. Yeah. And you are the only Winnipegger on the moose this year. I believe I am. Yeah, yeah. There are a few Manitobans that, uh, that have moved through the system in the past couple of years. But uh, I think... Uh, I think I hold the title as the only uh, Winnipegger on the team right now. You're right. Yeah. So what is that like playing in your hometown? That must be cool. Uh, you know what? It's it's uh, It definitely has its pros. Uh, my family can come watch all the time. Uh, my support system and uh, my friends that I grew up around here playing can watch come watch me play as well. So uh, in terms of uh, things outside the rink as well, it's, it's nice to have family close and uh, have people that I've relied on my whole life uh, be so close that uh, I can sit down with a coffee or for a coffee with them as opposed to uh, having to call them from uh, miles away. So, uh, yeah, it's great. It's um, it's really uh, it's surreal. Yeah, what part of town did you grow up in? Uh, I grew up in Tuxedo. I played in uh, APHA um, my whole life. I grew up playing for the Rangers, the Monarchs, and uh, the wild, and I actually played junior A here in, in the city as well. I played for the Winnipeg Blues, so uh, my roots run deep here, and uh, I'm very proud of where I came from, and um, and happy that I'm able to play here uh, now. Yeah, and I don't imagine you're old enough to remember the first Jets, eh? Like this is the only Winnipeg Jets team you remember, I suppose. Yeah, I remember being in the old uh, Winnipeg Arena, uh, but I remember watching the Moose there, and uh, I grew up watching the Moose, so. Uh, to play on the team here now is um, is like I said surreal and uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to have done that for several years here now and uh, want to continue to do so in the future. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, it must be kind of cool. We hear this, uh, you know, from hockey players at every level. It must be cool playing in a city and in a province, a community that understands the game so well. They're hockey fans. They love it. Of course, yeah. You, you can definitely tell the difference when we head down 
to some of the southern states that we play in. Uh, but and and the great thing about Winnipeg is that the Moose team has not been forgotten since the Jets came back. Uh, we still have a great fan base and uh, a lot of people support us and uh, understand that what we do and the development that goes into the Winnipeg Jets and a lot of it happens um, for us down in the American Hockey League. Yeah, uh, but it, it, it's great uh, that the city really embraces it and uh, like you said. The Moose were Winnipeg's team for a while there when the Jets weren't here, and um, I think they're happy to have both teams back in the city. Absolutely. The love affair with the Moose continues, yeah. Hey, Peter, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it, and best of luck in the home opener tomorrow night against Belleville, and have a great year. You've had some, uh, you played some really great hockey of late, and I hope that continues for you. Perfect. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Peter. Peter Stuckovich, Manitoba Moose. And by the way, that game goes tomorrow night. 7 o'clock, Belleville Senators in town to take on our Manitoba Moose. Other people besides Makalak and Dyack and uh, Bowman are running for mayor. One of those people joins us on the phone now, Umar Hyatt. Umar, nice to chat with you. Hello. Hi, uh, good afternoon, Hal. Good afternoon. Um, what is your, uh, before we uh, get into who you are and what you're all about, while we were talking there about the tax plan, what is, uh, what is your bottom line on taxes? What would you like to do if you were mayor? Uh, 2%. 2%. 1% local street and 1% uh, regional street. It's going to be capped at 2% for next four years. I can a little bit give you uh, details about for a Winnipegger. First, when they make any promise, please go to look at financial statements of Winnipeg. This year, we have $89 million deficit. Last year, $50 million. I'm going to sum up. Anyway, next year, 116. So by 22, when they finish their term, city of Winnipeg debt will be around one point, long-term debt, $1.7 billion. And each Winnipegger is taking $2,250 debt. My idea to share this whole numbers with Winnipeggers right now, because so far, uh, my incumbent, he said he's going to be cap rate for 2.33% next four years. Right. I understand. And the rest of candidates are all talking about less. But problem is this uh, with the Winnipeggers, my candidates. I please recommend them to go to see the financial statements first so they can understand how much money we are at. That's the only growth we have. In Winnipeg and rest of candidates, even they do promise every day to hire more cops. I'm the only one who talking about freeze Winnipeg police budget. We can't grow in 21st century to hire more cops. Okay, Omar, Omar, before we get into, I I just wanted to ask you about the tax uh, uh, plan there first. Before we get into other stuff here, tell us a bit about you. Who are you? Why do you want to be mayor? Thank you so much. My name is Omar Hyatt. I'm a father. I'm my name, wife named Nosheen Omar. I live in Southdale. I immigrated to uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba, 2007. My family immigrated to 1983, Minneapolis, Minnesota. One of my brother who moved from Minneapolis to here, he sponsored me. So I came 2007. Since last 12 years, I ran two-time a mayoral campaign, couple times councillors campaign, member of parliament's campaign, even prime minister of Canada campaign in Manitoba, Winnipeg. And couple member of legislative assemblies. You, you ran. You ran for the prime minister of Canada. No, I ran. Oh, you the ran campaign. the campaign. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. 
sorry, I helped, I, the perfect word is I helped his campaign in 2013. It's a public information. You, you, if you type into Google, so they can show you my name uh, into previous my history. So okay. anyway, my background is economy and finance. Used to be I was realtor, real estate agent in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Right. I do investment in real estate, stock market, and forex, like currency trades. That's I'm all about for economy and finance, like numbers guy. Yeah. So, so uh, that would that be question. your would that be yeah. your priority then getting the uh, getting the numbers under control at City Hall? Thank you so much. Really, really appreciate. It. That's my top priority. Yes, because everything is numbers. Frankly speaking, my all candidates they're talking about every day millions or billions dollar infrastructure project. And even they don't know what financial situation, how much even public's worth budget, how much even city of Winnipeg total budget. I would all uh, please tell them, look at the financial statements first so they can understand where city of Winnipeg stands yeah. so far right now. Let me ask you another issue. What about crime? What about the property crime we're seeing, which is a direct result of the meth crisis? I can relate two things separate. Meth is a, uh, you know, it's not a sh- uh, short-term solution. I just made a statement to right now make a safe injection site in Winnipeg for short term. And the long term, I related meth into a mental health. So uh, first of all, also we do have a city of Winnipeg couple trap, trap houses. We need to be cracked down those trap houses for meth and make a strict property laws with the province for a property management companies, they do know that even in downtown and north end, we have a growing problem of meth, but people are just closing their eyes. So make a good relationship with law enforcement agencies to little strict on meth problem. And second thing, what you told me about my plan for safe Winnipeg. Simple. Uh, we have a 27% of our budget, $292 million for a Winnipeg police. Trust me, we, every year we increase our budget, but we still could not decrease the crime. The problem is in, simple is this, community policing, my idea. All right, community, community policing, policing, sure. We've, we know all about that. We've heard that before and we've seen that Thank before. You so much. Let, let me ask and you one I, more question. We're almost out of time and I want to ask you a couple more questions that are relevant today. Matt Allard, of course, a, a city councillor, is suggesting that children under 12 should be able to ride the bus for free. What do you think of that idea? You know what? Uh, sorry to say, it's not about children under 12, low income bus pass. It's only cost $10 million. Our ridership is pretty low in Winnipeg. And how we can come out of pro- uh, poverty, I'm totally outspoken. People, even on EIA, they go to a work. I talk to thousands of Winnipeg all summer. They like to go to work, but they, unfortunately, they can't afford $100 bus pass. Total cost for a low income bus pass th- who make Less than $30,000, $10 million. That should be Winnipeg City's priority to make a low-income bus pass for all Winnipeg. It's 750,000 Winnipegers. Umar, children for please. Uh, Umar, I'm right out of time, but nice to chat with you and best of luck. Thank you so much, Hell, for your uh, great opportunity to having me on here. Love you, Winnipeg. All right. Thank you so much. Umar Hyatt running for mayors. 
shift gears now and talk to somebody, <laughs> somebody who I respect <laughs> and uh, really appreciate her her wisdom, Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. How are you, Carolyn? Great to be with you. Good to see you. All right. A um, couple things before we get into this. Mention your workshops again, because mm-hmm. I had a couple of people asking about your workshops. Explain quickly what they are and how people can uh, get signed up for this. Okay, well, the workshops are developed out of the research of Dr. Brene Brown. Um, a lot of people would have heard her viral TED Talk um, and understand the value of showing up, being seen, and living brave, sort of entering the arena, living life full and large in a world where it's life is terrifying, where yeah. we're wired for connection, but it's really hard. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we have The Daring Way, which introduces people to the concepts and helps people figure out language around um, trust, vulnerability, authenticity to improve relationships, um, not only personally, but also professionally. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Friday, October 26th to Sunday, October 28th. And there's information on my website, connectuscounseling.ca. And then Rising Strong um, is a three-day workshop from November 16th to the 18th. And that develops out of the physics of vulnerability that says when we try hard enough, often enough, the physics of vulnerability are that you're going to fail sometimes. And how do we figure out how to pick ourselves up, rise strong to proceed to move forward in life, knowing that um, we can learn from our mistakes and move forward in ways that are more effective. So if you like some of the stuff you hear from Carolyn on Thursdays, this is a chance for them to hang out with you for a few days and, and learn some of this stuff in more detail. I can't even begin to tell you. And in Canada, it seems like um, there's a reservation around doing group workshops of what is it going to be like and am I going to be asked to share something that feels uncomfortable or awkward and Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to do this. It feels too touchy-feely. And what I have to say is that you get to enter this in a way that works for you. If you want to just take a pass and not participate, that's fine. But often people on Friday night, they're kind of looking around like, ooh, I think this might have been a mistake. And by Sunday, when we are just wrapping up, they're like, "It doesn't. I don't want it to be over yet. I'm still... I'm just getting used to this, and I love this, and I want to invest, and this has been such a rich experience. And so if people are on the fence, I would just encourage you to notice your hesitations, give yourself permission to feel them, and then to move forward and give it a shot anyways. Yeah. You mentioned the website, Mm connectuscounseling.ca. There is a post there. There's a blog there. You have posted this. Mm -hmm. The headline is Permission, a Mental Health Strategy. Please explain. Okay, so I'll tell you a bit of a story first, and then the whole concept will make sense. And I developed this yesterday on the blog because yesterday was um, Mental Health Awareness Day around the world. Right. Um, when my son was in grade one, um, I used to have bowl cuts in the winter on them, like where the top was really long. And then in springtime, when it was too hot for that kind of haircut, I would give them a buzz cut, you know, and put on the number two attachment on the shaver and yeah. shave them um, and so I did that with my younger son. He was four. I shaved him, and then I took the attachment off, trimmed around the bottom, um, got the next guy who was in grade one on the chair, and I started to buzz him. And I realized that in my hurry, I hadn't put the attachment back on. Uh-oh. So instead of shaving him on number two, I shaved him bald. And it was a strip about four inches long, just above one eye, <laughs> all the way to the back. And he kind of yelped because it hurt a little bit without the attachment. And um, we looked. he looked in the mirror, and he started to weep because he was just bald there, right? And I started to cry too. I felt like a terrible mom. I'd goofed on this kid. I'd rushed. I hadn't put the attachment back on. And we were, both of us were just sort of stop, take a breath. We'll figure out what to do. And so I gave him the option where we could buzz the whole thing on number two and he would just have this bare strip that would look kind of goofy. Or we could shave him bald, which would look a little goofy in a different way. And in a week or two, he would have that buzz there. So which one did he pick? Well, he chose option number three, which was the comb over. (laughs) 
How old is he? He's six. He wants a comb over. He wants a comb over. I guess he had seen it and thought it was successful. <laughs> so we put some product in his hair, and the comb over of his longer hair over that bald strip, it actually works really good as long as he's sitting perfectly still. <laughs> but he's six, and so it actually didn't work at all because he never sits still. And it, so then we figured out if we put a baseball cap on it, the comb over held, and you couldn't really tell. Well, the problem is when you're in grade one, you can't actually wear a baseball cap in class. It's right. against the rules. Yeah. So we weren't sure what to do. So the next morning, I sent him off to school with the two pockets in his front pocket quite full. One was a note to the teacher saying, could he have permission to keep his baseball cap on because his mother blew it um, just for a couple of days? And um, would he find a way to do it? Because he was wailing. He's like, how am I going to school? The kids are going to make so much fun of me. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. He wanted to stay home for the week, which was not option four, right? right? Yeah. And um, so, I, you know, can he keep his baseball cap on? And this is why. And um, then in the... And when he got to school, he gave that note to the teacher. The teacher not only said, yes, no problem, but she had this teachable moment of, you know, we all have off days when things happen yeah. and it's really hard and we show up anyways. And this is not the time to make fun of someone. It's time to admire their courage. And so could you just give this guy a break and let him know you care about him because we all need to extend compassion to each other. Yeah. So the classroom had gone great. Then in the other pocket I had given him in the front pocket um, for on the playground when he met other kids was this note that said, my mom screwed up, not me. If you want to make fun of someone, you should call her. Her name is Carolyn, and here's her phone number. And he had a bunch of slips that he could give out to kids that might make fun of him. <laughs> and what happened was, in the end, he didn't need any of them because I think the confidence he had walking around the schoolyard gave yeah. him permission to just be brave, and nobody thought to make fun of him, yes. right? And so the whole idea was those permission slips in his pocket gave him the ability to enter with fear and courage into a situation that otherwise felt impossible. Mm -hmm. And so often parents write permission slips for their kids. Can my kid not participate in phys ed? Can he stay in for recess? You know, he has to leave early for a doctor's appointment. And people give them give their kids permission to do yeah. things that are important for them. Your notes were backup for him. They were. And once he had them, he didn't even need them so much. Yeah. And why is it that we as adults don't give ourselves the same permission? Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I do in the Daring Way workshop is I have people say, what do you need to give yourself permission for so that you can show up, be seen, and live brave this evening in the workshop? Do you need to give yourself permission to feel distracted and tired and still be here? Do you need to give yourself permission to keep your phone on because your kid's at home sick? Do you need to give yourself permission to be scared and yet give it a shot anyways because you don't know how it's going to go and you're going to speak up and see how it goes and give yourself permission to not do it perfectly. Mm. And I think it's a, just a really cool mental health strategy to give ourselves permission. Um, and I often do that in workshops and I'll ask, say to people, what's that like? And they're going, I've never given myself permission for anything. Yeah. And it's kind of freeing. It's, it feels great. And for, it's really something quite simple, and, it, and I think it's helpful to do not only your head, but to actually write it down, pen yeah. to paper, write yourself a permission slip, put it in your pocket, and remember you've got it there, and there's something about putting it down that makes it real in a way that when you're just thinking it, it, it isn't as real. Yeah, because we all need that. We all need that. At some point on some day, don't we? That's right. Permission to just be yourself, to not be who the other person expects you to be, knowing mm -hmm. that who you are is enough. Whatever it might be, what can you give yourself permission for that allows you to relax and enter the situation? Yeah. And the cool thing is when you relax and enter a situation, you can actually do a better job than when you're all keyed up and kind of feeling like, I dare not be scared. I dare, I can't let them see this. I can't let them see that. And if you just kind of give yourself permission, mm -hmm. you relax and then you do better. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. See, that's, uh, that's, you know, we talk about the internet and some of the, you know, crappy stuff that comes with it, but mm-hmm. you know, the ability to go and read a post like that, right. You're here mm-hmm. talking about it, but it's cool that, you know, we can find help like that online now because not everybody wants to walk into Conexus counseling right. and, and go into a session, right? So it's cool that we talk about it once a week here with you and it's cool that you can do that online and people can see that and learn from that. Cause I think that's, that's a valuable tool. It's, I think different people learn in different ways, and some people need to be in the therapy office, and some people need to go onto a website and read, and some people get to yeah. listen in on you and I chatting. Hey, I'm curious to know uh, your your kids, do they remember that? Uh, like the, the one who got the notes, does he remember that all these years later, or well, bef- six was maybe a bit young? Eh? Before I ever published this stuff, I always check with my kids, so yeah. he knew this was coming down the pipe, right. and I asked him if he remembered, and he said he had some vague recollection, because there was quite the drama in our house, right? Like, I, I felt terrible, he felt terrible, we were all weeping, it was quite a dramatic moment in the house, yeah. so he has this vague recollection. Um, but it's it's kind of a, it's but it's also something I retold over the years because I just found mm. it such a powerful thing yeah. where he and I got him through something that was really challenging for him and we got through it. His his preferred style was to stay home and hibernate for a couple sure. of weeks. Yeah. Um, and he learned that he can do hard things, which is something that all children yeah. need to learn how to do. Is some things are hard, but you can do hard things. And when you do hard things, you come home and you feel great about it. Yeah. You're a good storyteller. About halfway through that, I was going, "Where is she taking me?" <laughs> You know, like, I trust you, Carolyn. I'm taking you by the hand that I'm following. But about halfway through, I was like, where are we going with the haircut uh, story here? This is your show. And but so there you was trust a good me. payoff. Thank there you. was a good payoff. <laughs> Richard Cloutier is here. Hello, sir. How are you? I am well. Thank you so very much. Like so many Winnipeggers right now, battling a bit of a cold. Yeah, it's going around, eh? I was at the doctor this morning just getting, you know, the regular blood pressure checkup. Blood Uh, pressure's good, by the way. Good, good. Really good. Yeah. And How's uh, that rash? uh, Clearing up. You know, the (laughs) ointment from this summer's bicycle ride? No, that's all cleared up, Hal. Good, good. But I just, you know, I talked. I said, uh, you know, I got a bit of a cold. And he said, and he's um, like so many doctors here, originally from South Africa. So I don't do a good South African accent. But he said, it's been an explosion the last 10 days, the number of people that have had colds. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people running for mayor, and you have talked to some of them today about well, their tax plan. Jenny McCullough came out with her tax yeah, plan today. And in that way, I'm also looking for, you know, a little bit of the, the you know, the, the post-nasal drip involved in some of these promises <laughs> as well, Hal. Because uh, so often when you talk taxes, it's so essential but uh, eyes start to glaze over yep. as they get into the depth of the promises. Right. But in Amakaluk's case, she is promising a tax increase lower than Brian Bowman. Bowman is once again committed to 2.33% largely for infrastructure. I spoke with Jenny a little bit earlier this afternoon. The 1.16, while it is also the global number, the top line revenue number, I want to extend it down to the individual address so that, Richard, your tax bill will go up by a maximum of 1.16% next year. And I think that we should do that regardless of whether you say build a garage or a fence or remodel your kitchen. All right. When a candidate says this to me, right away I say, you don't understand the tax system. Mm -hmm. Now, in her case, she was at the Board of Revision. Yeah. Her husband's a tax lawyer. 
so she explains this because we we don't want to get into mill rates and assessed yeah, yeah. value, et cetera. But you can have a rate by a politician out there and based on your assessed value, your taxes could still go up. Well, as a candidate, she says she'll maintain it for every home very much like what successive provincial governments have done on the education side. They'll give you a rebate. Mm. So what she is proposing here is a rebate program to keep all of our assessed values in line so it would only be 1.16%. And so we will still calculate all the tax bills based on assessed values because we are required to by the legislation. And all we're going to do is then go ahead and add a rebate if necessary to bring everybody up to the cap. So there is actually no new legislation that's required by the province for us to do this. Because the experts suddenly said, wait a minute, you would need an amendment to the current legislation. She says no in a rebate way. And I've checked with a couple people and they say, yeah, that's a unique way Mm. of doing it. Well, and it seems more fair, doesn't it? It seems more fair, absolutely. Now, she's still vulnerable for the criticism of all the other promises that she has made that don't add up. Mm -hmm. And one of my pet questions here that I'm asking all the candidates is about sewer and water rates. Because when they jacked up our sewer and water rates, that was supposed to pay for sewer and water. Right. But there's a dividend that goes to general revenues. And I asked the candidate, would she end that? We have the pots of money that we have. The property tax revenue is the property tax revenue. The increases that we saw under Mayor Bowman of water and sewer were supposed to go to pay for our improved water and sewer, and they haven't because they've been funneled into general revenue as well. And frankly, I think the point that Winnipeggers should take from all of this is that we have seen a lot of wasteful spending that needs to be curtailed because if we have to keep growing our general expenses so much, where does it end? It's a matter of priorities. If I had a dime for every politician or wannabe politician that said we're going to cut wasteful spending, hell, we could go for a nice dinner at 529 tonight. We certainly could, yeah. But even just today, I've had a couple, three people call up and say just that. doesn't matter how, what they say they're going to raise my taxes because then they go and mismanage millions. Yes. Now, the other set of promises, Tim Dyack. Now, Tim Dyack is the police officer. Right. He'd rather talk about policing issues. Yeah. Today was a bit taxing for him because, you know, he was forced to come out with that number. Well, in the numbers end of it, I would try and bring those property taxes down, but that's not going to realistically, I, I'm, I'm a under promise and over deliver kind of guy. So we've come up with a number that's uh, half of uh, Brian Bowman's uh, proposal. And it works out to be if you go at three hundred thousand per the average home, and you go at this one point two percent, it's twenty bucks. I figured that's a good working number. I'd like to bring it down to freeze it, halt it in the second year, but uh, I won't make that promise. What I can tell you is we're going to slow it down. But what I bring different than what a politician would do or somebody from the outside would do is I have three, yeah, a little over thirty years of experience in the city of Winnipeg, and I know a lot of people. And uh, efficiency is not going to be found from outside consultants and paying money to people who haven't done the job. So I asked him, give me an example. And Mm -hmm. he went within the police service. He said, there's just too much paper right now. Mm -hmm. Automate that will save money. How much? Don't know yet. Mm -hmm. So again, when you go a little farther down, you don't get a lot of detail. So I came back and asked Mayor Brian Bowman about his promises and to react to the other promises. My plan is uh, is, is helping support a, a $976 million 
six-year road renewal plan, which builds on record and historic investments in roads over the last four years. I think what we, what's become clear today is that the other candidates have, have no plan on roads. And, uh, you know, candidate Mudlock uh, has given out $1.2 billion in partisan campaign promises over this campaign, which she didn't identify today how she's going to pay for them. And so, um, you know, with her campaign commitment today on, on taxes, it begs the question of whether there's going to be drastic cuts to services or, or massive debt uh, in order to pay for her promises. You have to balance the budget. You've balanced the budget on uh, a transfer, for example, from sewer and water rates. Is that something that you can commit today to ending? Well, I'm the only candidate who's made a commitment to freeze the water and sewer dividend rate and also freeze the frontage levy dividend rate. Uh, neither of the candidates, as far as I know, have made that commitment. And uh, I think it would be beneficial to, uh, to to be clear about that before people go into the to the, to the ballot box. Um, uh, you know, candidate Dyack has made uh, the commitment to uh, release his campaign donors, as I've done. Uh, candidate Montlock has not. And uh, I think it would serve Winnipeg as well to know who's funding the campaign before they go into uh, the ballot box. Big, best, you know, defense is yeah. good offense. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we've heard that before. But it's a as lot well. easier for Bowman to sound educated on this front. He's done it, right? He I has. mean, th- that, that, he comes across as knowing better the numbers and, and what's. Well, he better. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, Uh, and and I think we're going to start paying attention to this in the next ten days. We're what twelve days out now, Um, but there'll be the haze of cannabis legalization amongst this as well. But Hal, I I think the one thing that I would like to hear from the politicians is uh, the the way we collect property taxes, and there's been this focus on property taxes, and then for years what they've done is they've raised our water and sewer rates. Mm-hmm. They've done yeah. the frontage levy, and then yeah. they've transferred that to general revenues. Right. So, hey, look uh, over here, and while you're looking over there... A tax is yeah. a tax right. is a tax. Yeah. And I think that um, the, the, the fact is, is that Winnipeg is growing, and yes, we're going to get to that million-people city at some point in our lifetime, yeah. sooner probably than, than, than later than that. And as we grow... There's this thirst for more services, community services, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And the city is a creature of the provincial government. The province has a big role to play in all this. And yeah, we're we're talking about your value of your house, your property taxes, et cetera. But in the end, the government that has the most influence over this process is Brian Pallister yeah. over at the Manitoba legislature. Right. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.